0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host Sam Brooks. I'm joined today by Francesco Amesbury. How are you doing, Francesco?
1: I'm good, thanks Sam.
0: Excellent. Good to have you on as always. And Raphael Jacobin. How are you doing, Raphael?
2: I'm doing good. Enjoying the Euro so far.
0: Yeah, it's been a, been a good start so far. No nil-nil draws. So we're, we're following how the last World Cup went, I think. Um, Well, I say that, but we're recording this Monday night. So if Spain, Sweden ends nil-nil, then at the time I was correct. (laughs) Um, But we're going to start off, obviously, with Italy, who kicked off the tournament on Friday. Uh, Very convincing 3-0 winners against Turkey. I'll come to you first, Francesco, just an overall sort of look at the game. What, What did you make of how the game panned out?
1: I think it went as well... As Italy could have hoped, really, it was—it's essentially a follow-on from all the stuff they've been doing for the past two years. And um, it was—you know—if you had looked at the uh, Italy's results and performances going into the tournament, you could have predicted this would happen. I mean, obviously, when you get to a big tournament, there's a different kind of focus, and it's a lot more stressful, and often teams choke a little bit. But that just didn't happen. Um, and that was probably the most impressive thing I think about the Italian performance that they just they seemed completely relaxed even after not scoring for kind of an hour and you know in that first hour I think Turkey did did quite well um, and it could have been especially playing at home in front of your own crowd for the first time in a while with supporters I think it would have been easy for them to have become stressed and kind of got a bit angsty about the situation but that just didn't happen they, they were relaxed and once they got the goal then they really started to play and yeah, it was it was impressive, um, and it, it kind of is surprising to see Italy so play this well in a big tournament. But maybe we shouldn't be surprised based on the way they've been playing for the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, it just seemed to be the perfect evening, really, didn't it? Raphael with uh, Bocelli, uh, you know, kicking off the tournament with a uh, with a uh, with Nest and Dorma, which I think everyone very much enjoyed. Um, I think going into the game, we thought this would probably be Italy's toughest game in the group. Turkey have looked fairly decent. I know they beat Netherlands quite recently in World Cup qualifying. Looking at the game, were you very impressed with Italy? Disappointed with Turkey or, or a bit of both?
2: Yeah, I'd say a bit of both, actually. I uh, to be honest, I'm you know, I had sort of high hopes for Turkey. I know, I know a lot of people sort of Labeled them as dark horses because there is quite a lot of quality in that team and a lot of players who are coming off really strong seasons. I mean, we've um, got Suunto from Leicester, uh Elmet had an amazing league season, and then obviously you've got guys we know like Chalanolu. So you know, it, it still had the main kicks of a of a good team that could could have challenged uh, Italy, at least a lot more than they than they actually did. So. I was definitely I was definitely disappointed by the although I would say I was quite impressed by their the, uh, the uh, Turkey goalkeeper. I thought he was um he was sort of the shining light of the team. I think he did really deserve to to concede three goals. But yeah, I mean obviously there is a lot um, a lot of it is down to Italy's sort of devastating attack. I think you know, I think we, we were all saying um a week ago that the same front three that started against the czech republic should um should start against uh against turkey so and, and you know we saw we saw that it paid off in Cine, immobile and berardi they all had amazing games i think berardi most of all i think impressed a lot of people uh you know there was a lot of clam before the game for uh, for chiesa to start clearly that didn't really Clearly, you, should, you know Berali showed a lot, showed a lot of people that they were wrong, and we saw. I mean, once again, we saw the the link up between Insigne and Immobile come off again, especially in that third goal. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was a, it was a great performance front to back from Italy, but at the same time, I think a lot of people, including myself, were were quite disappointed with the sort of very underwhelming performance from Turkey.
0: Yeah, they did seem to approach the game fairly negatively. I thought in that first half, they were sort of sitting in their box and hoping the ball would hit them, really. Um, You mentioned about the Insigne Immobile build-up. I think possibly that's the team goal of the tournament so far, that third one. Um, I know we saw Patrick Schick with an amazing individual goal uh, against Scotland. Um, But, Francesco, I want to... talk about Leonardo Spinazzola because I know last week we were sort of saying is is the Italian left-back position maybe it's a bit of a weakness you were adamant it wasn't and he got bar of the match I think they're calling it so um what did you make of his performance?
1: Yeah excellent I thought he was excellent um I mean I think last week we were saying how he is perfectly suited to play behind Insignia because Insignia is so good at kind of involving the fullback in attacking play. And Spinazzola is just that's he's so good going forwards. And um yeah, I think he was he was probably at least best player on the night. Um I know that Bernardi had a great game and Jorginho also had a great game, but for me, Spinazzola was the standout player, and I think a lot of people were a bit surprised uh at how good he was because he, 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 you know, he's had a a strange career, really. I mean, he kind of he went to Juve, and he things didn't really work out from there. And he's been, I think, he's been excellent at Roma. I think he's been their best player this season. But he has gone a little bit under the radar in terms of kind of the the very top of European football. And so, I think a lot of people have kind of been watching him for the first time in that in that game on Friday. And yeah, he was excellent. I think him and, and Insigne on that left hand side, especially. If, when Verratti becomes fit again, I think Italy are going to have a lot of attacks coming down that side of the pitch. And I'd expect, uh, you know, I expect that side of the field to be really important for them. It, um, yeah, I thought he was excellent.
0: Yeah, a really uh, polished performance from Spinazzola. Solar. Um so quick on the overlap you know there are a few times where he was dribbling past uh, past his uh, past his opponents um so you uh, rafael you touched on the front three earlier we've also talked about Spinat Solar. were there any other players that really stood out for you for italy that you thought had had good games um
2: yeah i'd say i'd say barella was pretty much outstanding on the night i think he, he was everywhere on the pitch he contributed pretty much to every Every positive move that Italy had, and really just looked like the usual, sort of the usual live wire. It, it, it seems like he's recovered a bit of the form that he had um, at the start of the season with, uh, well, in the first half of the season with Inter. It does seem because he he had a bit of a slight dip in the second half of the season, which um, I like a lot of the uh, a lot of players in that in that in that Inter side. And it looks like he has recovered it just in time to uh, to make a difference on the big stage. So I think he him along with uh, along with Jorginho were you know were standout players in midfield. And Locatelli, I, I mean obviously standing in for is not an easy job. And it looks like from recent reports, Verratti's gonna come back, uh, come back soon anyway. He's come back into into collective training in the last few days. But I think Locatelli did an all right job and you know, I saw a few saw a few uh, a few criticisms of him there and there, but to me it seemed like he did a he did a good job. Not not as he didn't stand out as much as the other two in midfield, but I think he, did, he I don't think he did himself any any disservice with that performance. So but obviously, yeah, the the standout player in that midfield for me was Barella. I think he, he sort of announced himself to to the wider european stage i think you know his, his talent was wasn't really any secret to, to any serial watchers but i think now i mean now the whole continent's really just starting to pay pay attention to with that performance
0: yeah he really was um but very good on the night. Uh, and Italy, just in general, with their pressing, really put Turkey under pressure from the off. I thought Locatelli started quite nervously, but he did play a lovely pass to start off the move for the first goal, didn't he? Um, just bring uh, playing the ball into the centre, and then it was, got switched out to Berardi, leading to the own goal from Demiral. Um, perhaps one setback, Francesco, was it uh, looks like Florenzi picked up an injury. He had to go up at half-time. And there's now a bit of a doubt for Wednesday's game. Is that a concern for you at all? Or, or did you think Di Lorenzo came in and did a fine job and 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 there's not much to worry about?
1: Um, I, you know, obviously it would be great to have all of these players fit. Um, I think so far the injuries that Italy have had, um, in a way they've been lucky in that they've happened in positions where they are well covered. Um, I think Locatelli had a solid game Uh on Friday and I I don't think there's any reason to rush Ferrati back. And I think the same goes for Florenzi. I think Di Lorenzo, when he came on, um, I mean, for a minute, I thought it might be a tactical change because he came on and he really started attacking that flank. I thought maybe they brought him in because they thought he might give him something more offensively. And yeah, he looked comfortable. Um, so I, I've got no worries about him playing in the next game if Florenzi's not fit. And the set, I've, I've also heard that Berardi is a slight doubt for... Um, for the next game on Wednesday and you know if he doesn't play then Kiza is ready so so far Italy have been lucky that kind of in the areas where they're particularly strong especially in, in terms of the depth of their squad they've had those injuries so at the moment it's not a big concern obviously it would be great if those guys um, do come back especially if Italy are progressing in the tournament for the bigger games
0: Yeah it does seem they're pretty well covered um, in most areas of the pitch and Di Lorenzo came in and did a fine job as you say um, Raphael, just last thing touching on Friday's game. Um, are you in agreement with me that the best moment of the match was Chiellini's late challenge and then celebration, despite being 3-0 up? Uh,
2: definitely, definitely. I think it's great to see that sort of, um, well, in general, seeing, uh, seeing a defensive player celebrate a tackle. I mean, um, I think my, my favourite instance of that, just in general, has to be uh, when, um, when Felipe Melo did it along his career but definitely it's great to see of so. an old star Wars like um like Chiellini just have his moment in the spotlight there really at the end and yeah uh, he, he had he had a great performance anyway i think we saw a lot of people you know complain that uh Benucci, having bonucci and Chiellini in the starting lineup was a bit was a bit risky given that you know given that they had been around for so long and that you know, there are there are younger and quicker options in, uh, in the likes of Bastoni, for example. But clearly, those two are showing that they've done a they've done a good job. I mean, on on the other hand, I think um, I think on Wednesday it will be a different proposition in terms of um, well, they were up against uh, Barakiel, as a lone striker, who's obviously not the quickest, and you know he can pretty much. He's, he's he's very um i guess he's he's effective only in certain situations and if you're able to sort of snuff him out in those situations then you've pretty much got him under control but they'll be up against um or they'll be up against uh briille and bolo on uh, on wednesday who's clearly a more powerful striker and clearly seems to get into into these very wide positions more often to try and uh Find burst through the defense. So it'll be a different they'll be up against a different profile of attack, which you know could be uh, could cause some different problems, but I guess we'll see on the on Wednesday.
0: Yeah, I remember being at a game, I think it was about three years ago where it was Tottenham V uv and Chiellini did a similar one, it was sort of a last ditch clearance and him and Buffon I think at one stage I thought they were going to headbutt each other but they just sort of you know, shook each other and said, yeah, well done. Excellent clearance. And it almost like a goal celebration, which is great to see. Um, But as you just mentioned there, Italy's next game is on Wednesday against Switzerland. Um, Switzerland played on Saturday against Wales. That ended one all. Francesco, what did you make of Switzerland? It seemed that they were in control for most of that game, but didn't quite manage to get over the finish line. Uh, Rafael mentioned Briel and Bolo, who, who was their star player in that game could, could he cause Italy some problems do you think
1: yeah I think Rafael makes a really good point I think one of the, the only kind of concerns that came out of Friday's game for me was that um, whilst Bonucci and Chiellini I thought had a very good game because of the way Italy are playing with a very high press the back line has to be very high up the pitch and obviously Chiellini and Bonucci are not the quickest defenders in the world. So it wasn't really a problem against Turkey because like Rafael said, they came up against Ilmaz, who's even older than they are. And he's not the kind of striker who's going to run in behind you and cause you problems that way. But as soon as Cengiz Under came on in the second half, there were a couple of occasions where you saw how if they if they do have to come up against attacking teams who, who are able to put the ball into the space behind them, that could cause them problems. I think Andolo looks like a quick player as well. And Switzerland definitely, definitely have some quicker players in their team than, than this Turkey side that we've just seen. So that could be a problem. I think Switzerland generally, they they actually looked okay, really. They were probably, I don't know if unlucky is the right word, but they probably deserved a little bit more from the game. You know, really, they they dominated for most of it. And I think they probably are a better team than Turkey based on the, on the two games I've seen. So I think it is going to be a test Um We'll see what happens, but but that that question mark about the defence as well, about the speed of the defence, that is going to become, you know, more of a concern if Italy progress and they come up against the likes of Mbappe or Rashford or Leroy Sané, where you're playing against really really quick players. That is the only kind of concern that came out of the game on Friday, I would say.
0: Yeah, I think you make <clears throat> you make a fair point there, um, Raphael. We we of course know. Uh, quite a few of the Switzerland players. We've got Remo Freuler playing in central midfield for them and and Granit Xhaka, who looks like he's on the brink of a move to Roma. Do you think that perhaps that partnership can, can you know, hold their own a bit more against Italy and it won't be quite so one-sided like we saw on Friday?
2: I feel like that partnership will probably give Italy a, bit, a few more problems um, because I think definitely the midfield was... The sing, uh, the single area where they dominated the most and where the game was won on Friday. So I think, having I mean, two players of the quality of Shaka and, and Freuler will definitely cause them a few more problems. Especially, especially Freuler, who knows, who knows a lot of the players that, he, that he's going to be facing quite well uh, by now, having played so long in a, in Serie A. So I think, even though even though on paper Switzerland don't look as don't have the the sort of quality the the Turkish side might have. I feel like they're going to cause uh, Italy a lot more problems, and it's not going to be as as easy and fair as uh, as it was on Friday. I think out of the three games, that will probably be their the hardest. I mean, they obviously Italy are all, already qualified anyway, because I think really realistically, if you get a win, then you're you're qualified in this format. But you know, I, I still think. Switzerland will be the biggest test and realistically, it will be a test of their credentials going forward as well. If they can, if they can dispatch the Switzerland team well, then you can start to put Italy among the, among the favourites of the title.
0: I think people already have after, after Friday. I don't know if that's people getting True. a bit carried away mm-hmm. or whatnot, but, but they did look mightily impressive. Um just thinking of another Serie A player, Ricardo Rodriguez, of course, of course, plays for Switzerland as well. Um, looking ahead to that game, then Francesco, we've talked about how Florenzi and Berardi might be injury concerns. So, I think the obvious replacements for them would be Chiesa and Di Lorenzo. Are there any other changes you'd perhaps think about making for that match? Uh,
1: No, I wouldn't change anything provided people are are fit and ready to play. I suppose the only other ones who you might change are maybe Chiellini. I think this season he's not played that many back-to-back matches and um, there's a possibility that he might not be 100% for this game because it's not that big a gap from Friday to Wednesday but I would as much as possible keep the team the same and then if they're able to win on Wednesday then if uh, if Mancini feels that he needs to rest players then then probably the final game would be the time to do that but I definitely think they should just try and keep the momentum going um, they're obviously on an amazing run at the moment and um, there's a lot of enthusiasm and there's absolutely you know there's no need to change anything uh, that, that doesn't need to be changed.
0: Yeah, it does does seem they've got a good thing going. So uh, you know, if it ain't if it ain't fixed if it don't break broken, don't fix it. Um I guess the other thing, Raphael, is is about Verratti. Um, you said how it seems his condition is improving. Do you think maybe the sensible option will be to still start with Locatelli and then bring Verratti off the bench and then look to start him in that third game, perhaps ahead of the knockout stages? Well, it looks like Italy are going to qualify for those knockout stages. Will, will that be Mancini's thinking, do you reckon?
2: I reckon it will, yeah. I think from what I saw he played um he played twenty minutes in a in a friendly Italy had against uh, against the yep. Pescara youth team actually. And he actually played for the for the Pescara team, which was quite a nice touch. But um yeah, I mean he's got you know he got twenty minutes under his belt, but I it's you know, it is a bit a bit risky to rush him back considering you know considering he's he's had his fair share of his fair share of injury issues. So yeah, I mean, I, I did say Switzerland was going to be the hardest task, but at the same time, they should be able to, uh, to get a result without him. And I think Locatelli is a more than serviceable option to have a, to have in, in its place. So, you know, or, or Pacina. So, yeah, I think that the, the safest option is to, you know, the most sensible option. Would be to would be to save him for the third game, and you know, usually Mancini goes for the sensible option in these cases.
0: Yeah, the, the options that Italy have in that midfield are, are quite ridiculous, really. Um, yeah, I think you'd be comfortable with any of them playing. Um, so we're going to leave Italy a bit for now and and just talk about the tournament a bit more in general. Francesco, we're sort of four days into the tournament now. As I said, we're recording this before Spain, so they may go on and look amazing tonight. We'll see. But in these opening four days, what other teams have really stood out to you so far?
1: I think Belgium looked solid, um, possibly not. Not quite as spectacular as the Italy game, but but in a way that is testament to their depth of their squad as well because a couple, they've got a couple of big players to come back, and you know they won really at a canter. Um, it, it seemed quite easy for them, and you know scoring three goals, Lukaku looks like he's just carried on his Serie A form, and yeah, I think they look good. And I I was impressed with England again, maybe not as spectacular as some of the other victories we've seen, but um, I think possibly of the teams that have won, they've beaten the best team because I think Croatia are a really good side. And um, yeah, they looked solid and it looked like they they could have a lot more to offer. Both of those sides, really, Belgium and England look like they could have a lot more to offer as the tournament goes on. So probably those two, as well as Italy, I'd say uh, have been the most impressive for me.
0: Yeah, of course, Belgium got a very convincing win, um, even without Kevin De Bruyne. And Eden Hazard only played the last sort of 20 minutes or so. Um, and it, excellent to see, you know, Romelo Lukaku. We, we saw, unfortunately, Russian fans booing uh, when they took the knee at the start. And I think he answered... Emphatically, with a couple of goals, so that was excellent to see. What What about you, Raphael? Um, I'm going to ask you the opposite. Actually, are, are there any teams that you feel have been a bit of a disappointment so far? Um, I guess, I guess I I had
2: sort of high hopes for uh, for North Macedonia, just to <laughs> see uh just because, just because you want to see Goran Pandev do well. I, I was really happy that he scored, so at least we had we got to see that, but. I was a bit disappointed that Austria won. But yeah, I think Croatia were quite disappointing in the fact that they didn't really threaten England much. Um, which you know when you look at the side that they that they were able to put out three years ago and the fact that they got all the way to the final, it's it does seem like they've had a bit of a, a bit of a fall from grace, really. Um otherwise um yeah, otherwise it does seem like Results have more or less gone in the, uh, in the direction you'd expect. Obviously, uh, unless you uh, unless you count the Denmark Finland game, well, obviously that that had a lot to do with the uh, the Eriksson situation, and uh, obviously the Denmark players weren't really in the state to to play properly, which would explain their loss. But otherwise, I feel like there haven't been too many too many massive shocks. Uh, so far, at least. So, I mean, I guess we'll see as the uh, as the group stage goes on. But I think, yeah, I, I think I think you'd be right in saying that Belgium and Belgium and England are the other two sides that have impressed so far. We'll see. We'll see who wins out of France and Germany. We'll see how we'll see how Spain do later tonight. But yeah, those those three so far are the uh, are the best, probably the best teams so far. Holland. Had an alright, alright game. that did look quite leaky uh, in that sort of five-minute spell where they conceded two goals. Um, I mean, they're not the first team to be undone by uh, Malinowski's left foot, but yeah, there there was a bit of a. Uh, they did look a bit, a bit wobbly at times.
0: Yeah, I think that was certainly the most entertaining game so far of the tournament, though, that Netherlands-Ukraine game. Mm. Um, there were five goals. It could have been double that, I think. Um, and you mentioned Malino- Malinovsky's left foot. Of course, Yarmolenko's left foot was not too bad either on the night with that first goal. Um, and North Macedonia, that Goran Pandev goal, we always love a little bit of comedy as well, with the keeper dropping it at his feet. That was that was excellent to see. Um, I was also a bit disappointed with Poland. I think Poland have got some decent players actually. Obviously, we know about Zelinski and and a couple of other players that play over in, in Serie A, but yeah, beaten by Slovakia. I think that's perhaps a little bit of of a shock. Um so yeah, as as you say, we're we're looking ahead now to um France v Germany uh, on Tuesday night. How, how do you see that one panning out, Francesco? A um, little bit of disharmony in the French camp, it seems, with Mbappe and Giroud and, and everything going on there. Do you think that's a bit of a smokescreen, or, or are they going to implode as we've sometimes seen with the French
1: before? Um, I don't. I mean, yes, it all seems a bit stupid. Um, I'd be, I mean, I suppose you couldn't, you, like you say, it's happened before that they've kind of done this and ruined their chance of winning a major tournament. Um, and I suppose when you're in that kind of situation, Germany may be the worst team to come up against because normally in these situations they bring it. Um, and I think it even though people have been saying that France are kind of the probably the pre-tournament favourites and I guess if you look at them player for player, they might have the best squad. I, I expect it to be a close game and I wouldn't be too surprised if Germany are able to win. Um, so, yeah, I think it's definitely a very interesting match.
0: Yeah, I think it, it it seems strange saying this, but I think Germany are maybe a bit of an unknown quantity coming into this tournament. Um, I mean, you look at their side and you think... That's a really strong team, but there's been doubts about, you know. Obviously, Joachim lowe has been there 15 years now. It, it, have things gone a bit stale? H- how do you see things looking for those two sides, Raphael, going into a bit of a mouth-watering clash on Tuesday night?
2: Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm I'm quite realistic about this. I'm I I do think that Germany are going to are going to come through it. It's looking a lot like 2010 in the in the France gap for these all these different factions sort of forming between the between sort of all, all the players. So yeah, I mean yeah, it's not a surprise. This, this it, it always it we always have this uh, this sort of uh, well after after we win a big tournament we always just collapse even though we have even, even though we have the best players or even though we might you know on paper we might look like the best team. You know, it happened at the 2002 World Cup as well we have i think we had the uh, we had the top scorer in liga the premier league and seria and we still got knocked out in the in the group stages and do you know
1: what the factions are rafael do you know who the different uh, who the different sides are
2: so you've got the uh, from what i've read you've got the uh, the mbappe benzema sort of click going on because obviously they're from from what from what's been sort of what's, what's been said, Benzema has been a bad influence on uh, on Mbappe, according to what a lot of people have said, and uh, Mbappe's coming out with these sort of very very ego boosting statements about how uh, how Giroud's not passing to him, and vice versa. You've got the Giroud clique as well. You've got the then uh, apart from those guys, you've got the sort of the Deschamps faithful. Sort of uh, who who
1: is friends with Giroud? I mean, not that not that he doesn't seem like a nice man. I'm sure he's a nice man, but but I can see how Mbappe and uh, and then Benzema might have a click because uh, I don't know they just have something about them. But who is who is with Giroud in this? Um, or is no one passing in the ball? Is that the problem?
2: No, I think he's got like the um, sort of the general sort of Deschamps favorites on his side. Guys like Moussa Sissoko, guys like with Hugo Loris. <laughs> so,
0: so those with no influence whatsoever.
1: <laughs> He's the guy, of all the people you'd pick, he wouldn't be higher than this, I think. I'll take Mbappe, you can have Sissoko.
0: So has um, Has Didier Deschamps started picking players based on star signs yet? That's when you know things are really going to crazy. We're, we're not at that stage yet. But that stage. Okay. And no one's insulted his mother or anything like that yet? No,
2: nah, no one's gone full of Nelka yet.
0: Oh, everything's looking fine. Then I think France will win. They're looking good. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I'm still expecting something to come out in a few in a few days' time. We'll we'll lose to Germany, and then something big will come out.
0: Yeah, Words no, it's, will have been it, it's going to be a fascinating game. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so we we're, we're I'm going to finish with a couple of things. So first, of all, I want to. Go back to Italy just once more. Um, Wednesday's game. Can I get a, pre- a score prediction out of you, uh, Francesco? First, please.
1: Oh, I don't know if I want to jinx it. Really. <laughs> um, you know, let's just say I'm I'm feeling confident. Um, yeah, let's leave it at that. I'm feeling confident.
0: Okay, so you're you're going with an Italy positive result. Well, um, maybe, yes. And and Raphael, what are you going with? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not emotionally invested in
2: Italy, so I'm going to give a more precise score. I could say 2-1 to Italy.
0: OK, fair enough, 2-1. Uh, so you think their clean sheet run is going to end? I, I suppose it's got to end at some point. So there you go. Um, one thing we're, we're going to finish on, and it would be remiss of me not to mention it, of course, the biggest ish, uh, thing over the weekend was uh, Christian Eriksen. I think everyone was very concerned Um when he suddenly collapsed on Saturday night. Um, the medics reacted so well. Um, and someone else who has come out of this situation excellently, I know we've praised him for his performances on the pitch all season, but Simon Kier um, seems to have been a bit of a hero in the whole situation. What did you make of it all, Francesco? I know it's quite difficult to talk about, but, you know, with, with Kier, and obviously we've followed Ericsson all season in Serie A, J- just so thankful that he that he's still with us, I suppose.
1: Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, watching it was terrible. It was horrible. And yeah, for a few moments, it looked like the worst might happen, but it is, it's fantastic that he's, uh, he seems to be, you know, at least stable and, you know, conscious and uh, hopefully we'll see him playing again. But the main thing is just that he's, he's healthy Um and in terms of Simon Care, I thought um, it was also a nice touch from the Inter Ultras, who um, actually both both sets of Ultras, the Inter Ultras created a banner in support of care uh, of saying how he was a real man. And um, I can't remember the exact words, but, you know, how he was a real man. And they were, they were singing his praises. And um, the Milan Ultras also put up a banner in support of Christian Eriksen. So I thought that was a nice touch from both sets of supporters.
0: Yeah, I saw uh, Nicolo Barella sent him a message on Instagram as well, which was which was a lovely touch. Of course, rivalries um, don't really mean a thing in these situations. Um, and, and yeah, he, I think the whole Danish team reacted so well with, uh, you know, sort of uh, allowing Eriksen to have his dignity uh, because the cameras seem to want to show everything, which was quite shocking. Um what did you make? I, I, I know there's been a lot of sort of stuff coming out afterwards about the game resuming so soon afterwards. Um, you see, I, I, I was shocked that they finished the game on the evening. A- anything else to add, to Raphael? Um, it seems Ericsson, You know, he put out a message today. Seems quite positive, but said obviously he wants some answers as to as to why it happened. So, any, anything else to add from your point of view? Yeah, no. I mean,
2: going back to the the fact that they. Like, Resume play, I thought that was a shocking decision, really, from the, from the UEFA. From what I've seen, I think they were given two options, either, or three options, either play play straight after, play the next day, or forfeit, which is, I mean, on the one hand, logistically speaking, I understand the difficult situation and, you know, the show had to go on, but it was quite heartless, anyway. You know, these these Denmark players were traumatized. They've just seen their they've just seen their um, their teammate collapse on the on the field. They found out he was all right afterwards, or well, not all right, but at least recovering. And um, you know, but they were still in a state of shock. And I guess that was reflected in the scoreline. It was it was quite good to see that um, that Boyan had the. Uh, Sort of the presence of mind not to celebrate too much when he scored, despite the fact that it's a massive goal for uh, in Finnish football history. Really, their first goal in a in a European Championship, their first win, and they still had the the wherewithal to not celebrate, which I thought was a very nice touch.
0: Yeah, very classy. Um, as you said, that there would have been the temptation to celebrate, but but he understood the situation. Um. And so we'll end the episode there. Of course, we wish Christian Eriksen well, and it's excellent to hear that he's in a he's in a stable condition as we speak. So um, hopefully he can make he can make a full recovery uh, moving forwards. Um, thanks a lot for joining me, guys. I look forward to the game on Wednesday and and chatting with you after that uh, as we as we move towards uh, towards a sort of midpoint of the group stage, I suppose. Catch you guys soon, and thanks everyone for listening. Bye bye.